right, we begin a new series in the book of Galatians. So turn in your Bibles to Galatians in the New Testament. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 5 of chapter 1. We've entitled the series Rescued, and we get that from verse, verses 3 and 4, which says, The Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. The Jewish rabbi, whose Greek name was Paul, wrote this letter and he sent it out to the churches in an area called Galatia, which we think is north of the Mediterranean in in Asia Minor. And he's writing to those who have been called out by the gospel message that he came to them with. He went out there planting churches with this new gospel that he had discovered that had radically transformed his life. He went out to the people and he said, listen, this Jesus is the Jewish Messiah that we've been awaiting. And he died on the cross so that we might be rescued from this present evil age. And those who had faith and believed in that began to gather together. They were called out from the present evil age, if you will, the called out ones. That's the term that literally is what the term church means. It's the called out ones. They heard the gospel, they believed, and it called them out of the present evil age into a community where they would uh, participate in fellowship, studying their Hebrew scriptures, which is your Old Testament, seeing how Jesus fulfilled all the promises of God to to their forefathers, seeing how Jesus radically transformed everything, seeing how Jesus brought to them the new covenant and so they were doing this as a community together and so Paul then goes back home and goes about his ministry in other places and he starts to hear a word that some people have crept into that community and they're saying yes Jesus is the Messiah yes put your faith in Jesus he is God's promised deliverer to one who would come, the the seed of Abraham, the seed of David, the one who will rescue you from this present generation, from this present evil age. But the same God gave us, through Moses, these laws that have been so important to our people. And these laws aren't done away with by Jesus Jesus fulfills these laws. Why would we throw them out? They have been so crucial. They came from God. They came from God to us through Moses. And they have been so important to our people. It's not Jesus destroying these laws. It's Jesus and keep these laws. And you will be faithful. You'll be in right standing with God. And so these Teachers that we're going to learn about, these false teachers, I don't believe they were coming in and having this, you can tell from Paul's responses in the letters, they weren't saying, it's not about Jesus. They weren't saying, forget Jesus. They were saying, yes, Jesus. Yes, he's the Messiah. Yes, put your faith in Jesus and you will have right standing with God. But you need to keep the Mosaic law to stay in good standing with God. In other words, to simplify the way that they would say it, I guess, would be they were saying Jesus plus obedience equals right standing with God. I wonder how different the message is right now 
and churches all over Shreveport. I wonder if Paul was sitting right here on the fourth row, listening to our messages, if he would ever stand up and say like he does in this book, anathema! What you're teaching is anathema! You're teaching Jesus plus obedience? Anathema! Be eternally condemned for that message. And that's what we see in Paul's writings when he hears this message that sounds good to our ears. Jesus and obedience. How could that be wrong? And Paul reacts violently. Paul, the the Jewish rabbi, says, you have eternally condemned these people with that message. He gets really upset. He says, I am amazed in the letter that you have so quickly left this gospel message for a different gospel. But it's not even a gospel message that you've left it for. You have left good news for a different good news, which is no good news at all. I'm amazed. Let those people who are teaching you this different gospel of Jesus and obedience, let them be eternally condemned. They have bewitched you, you foolish Galatians. And Peter, who is this hypocrite, he does one thing with these people. And Peter, who is the pillar of our community, he's a hypocrite. And he calls them out in front of everybody. He doesn't just quietly go to him. He says, Peter, you are a hypocrite when you teach Jesus plus obeying these things. Paul is is, is upset. And he says, when you teach circumcision as a part of being right with God, Jesus plus circumcision, I wish you would just go ahead and emasculate yourselves, he says in his letter. He's fired up. He's very upset. He says, you don't understand adding obedience. As good as that is, you are destroying the gospel if you, are, if you think that that means it keeps you in right standing with God. Paul is saying, Jesus alone gets you in right standing with God. And he keeps you in right standing with God. Every hour, I need thee. The good news is that Jesus died for my sinful obedience and for your sinful obedience. And that if you and I trust in him, he cleanses us of all the filth, all the guilt, all the condemnation, all the unrighteousness that is ours that we deserve to be punished for, that we deserve to be condemned for, that we deserve to face the consequences of. And if we trust in what Jesus did on the cross and only in Jesus, if we are in Him, we're cleansed. We are completely, wholeheartedly, 100% accepted and embraced by a loving Father. 
He says, now I look at you in Christ and I do not see your sin. I do not condemn you. I declare you holy. I declare you righteous. I call you saints. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation for what you did in the past. No condemnation for what you will do today. And no condemnation for anything you will ever do in the future. In fact, you cannot do anything to make yourself right with me. And you cannot do anything to make yourself wrong with me. All you have, your only hope, is to place yourself in Jesus Christ. And once you are in Christ, it is done. And you can't change it. And if someone comes in here and says anything else, let them be eternally damned. This is what Paul is saying. That is a radical, revolutionary message. It has changed the world. And it's why we gather here today. Jesus alone makes us right with God and keeps us right with God. Father, please help us this morning. Help us when we leave here. Help us when we go home. Help us day in and day out. Bathe, soak, saturate our hearts and minds in this glorious gospel message that it transforms our lives and produces a joyous, exhilarating thankfulness, joyful repentance and obedience, and walking in your will. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a hard message to believe. Everything in our being wants to add just a little bit of work. Every day we wake up, we have a hard time believing that we don't have to do something to be right with God today. So Paul gives us in these verses three reasons to believe this unbelievable, amazing gospel of grace. First of all, In verse 1, believe this gospel message because it is God's word. Believe this gospel message because it is God's message. Look at verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So Paul begins his letter with a major statement of authority as in why you should believe what I'm saying, he says, is because I am an apostle with a capital A. In general, the word apostle meant a sent one. If I sent you to go do something for me, you were on an apostolic mission. But in the scriptures, in the Christian community, this took on a unique meaning. Apostle with a capital A meant that he said, what he's saying here in parentheses, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man. He is saying, my message does not originate in man. It is not sent through the agency of man. It is not a man-made message. 
I am not coming to you with man's authority. He says, on the contrary, I am being sent through Jesus Christ and God the Father, specifically God who raised Jesus from the dead. The term apostle means it took on the meaning in scriptures and in the Christian community, one who was sent by the resurrected Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for sins. He was buried. He rose from the grave. He appeared to a bunch of people in the resurrected form. And he called some to himself, those who he had been pouring his life into before the cross. And now he says, you get it? And he fills them with the Spirit and he says, now go and take this good news to the ends of the earth. And the apostles are those who were directly eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And they were authorized by God himself. And they were sent by God with this message. And so Paul is saying, do you realize that what I'm telling you came from the resurrected God-man, Jesus Christ himself? This is not my message. This is not tradition. This is not what man comes up with. This is God's word. That's why you should believe it. And then those letters that were sent... Like Paul's letter clarifying to the churches in Galatia, you're getting this wrong. Don't distort the gospel. This is the true gospel. The community of saints, believers who were called out ones, they preserved these letters. They tested the, com- the, the, the words in the letters. They tested the truthfulness of the claims. They checked it out and they made sure that these were true. They traced it directly to the resurrected Christ. Do you think that a society of people would have disproved the resurrection if they could? Of course. Do you think people would knowingly die for a lie about a man who supposedly rose from the grave? Of course not. Nobody knowingly dies for a lie. A society of people, a community of people checked out the message, considered the sources, examined the evidence, traced it back to the resurrected Christ and said, this is a genuine letter of authority from Christ through the rabbi Paul. And they preserved it in the community and they collected all this letter. Everything in your New Testament has been written by someone who has been directly authorized by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who said, go fill them with the spirit. John tells us that they were carried along by the spirit as they wrote, that, that they were reminded by the spirit of God, all the words that Jesus had said, that they were opened in their minds by the spirit of God to understand the meaning of what Jesus was saying. And they were carried along to record them and preserve them. And then the community of saints kept those and they treasured them and it transformed the world. It transformed society. It transformed the globe. And they put those alongside the, the Old Testament, which had been preserved in a similar fashion through the people of God and they bound them and that's called the canon, the Bible that you have today. So why should you believe this crazy message that you are in a present evil age and you can be rescued from this by one means? And that's the blood of Jesus Christ because that's God's message. That's not my message. It's not my word to you. If I was making up, I would have said, just like every other religion has ever said, faith plus some works. Every single religion has a works element. 
except for Jesus' religion. It is faith alone, by grace alone, in Jesus alone, in the past, the present, and the future. Why I believe this message? Because it's God's message. Second reason we should believe this message is because your freedom depends upon it. Your freedom depends upon it. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. Now, I could have said, why believe the second point? Why believe? Because your freedom depends upon it. Because your eternity depends upon it. Your salvation depends upon it. Your everything depends upon it. But at the end of this book, in the last two chapters, Paul starts to apply the implications and he uses freedom. He says, you have been rescued. You have been set free. So quit changing the gospel because you are not free when you get the gospel wrong. Be free. So your freedom, all the blessings of God and the heavenly places are yours if you get this right. He says, grace to you to help us believe that it is Jesus alone. We need to understand the concept of grace. Grace literally means unmerited favor, undeserved favor, favor that was not earned, favor that was not achieved, unmerited favor. He says, I want you to have the undeserving, unmerited favor of God placed upon you in your life. I want you to enjoy the peace of God, peace between man that God brings, peace between vertically with God that Christ brings in your life. I want you to experience the grace and the peace of God, but it has not depending, it does not depend on you doing anything for God. It's unmerited favor every hour of every day. To help us believe, he explains that he uses a term rescued. You have been rescued. The blood of Jesus Christ was given so that you may be rescued from this present evil age. That's a strange term, present evil age. What is he talking about? Well, first of all, the word rescue implies a helplessness. It implies need for a rescuer. It implies I'm drowning, I'm sinking, I've exhausted all of my ability to kick and to paddle, and the the water is coming over me. I am going to die. I cannot save myself. And then someone reaches in, grabs me by the scruff of the neck, and rescues me. What is this present evil age, the waters in which we are drowning? Paul says, you... He has died so that you might be rescued from this present evil age. In fact, the Bible teaches us that this whole state of the world which we live in, which we were born into and raised in and live our, all the days that God give us breath, this is the present evil age being 
under the authority and power of the evil one, we read in 1 John five nineteen. Jesus calls the people of this age or the people who are in this world an evil generation in Matthew twelve thirty nine. And he explains through the parables that the people of this age are sons of the evil one in Matthew thirteen thirty eight, And they will be judged at the end of this evil age. The biblical picture of this world which we are born into and living in and operating according to the rules of is a present evil age. This is the default position. Before being rescued, everyone serves the evil one's desires. Even with your good obedience and your good deeds, they are promoting the agenda of an evil, rebellious king in whose dominion you live. Whether we are aware of it or not, when we are born and we live and we grow up, we're living in a kingdom that's in rebellion against God. No matter how hard I try, what I do good, it's only promoting His will. The evil ruler's will. Think about it this way. Imagine the UN is now completely the rule of this globe. And over the UN is a good, loving, godlike king. This is an analogy that can be pressed to the point that it doesn't make sense. But the analogy is God's Reign is pictured in the ruling UN, the rule over the world. And before you were born, the United States rebelled against his rule. And so the president of the United States, the governors of the states, the mayors of the cities and towns, the the boards, they're all, everything they do is operating in a system of rebellion against the king. And you're born in Louisiana, you grow up in Shreveport, and you don't even know it. That everything you're doing, it seems good to you. You kind of like it. It's peace. There's no problems. You don't even know that this whole country is in rebellion against the good ruler, the good king. And then as you grow up and you start to understand and start to become aware of, wait a minute, someone's told me we're in rebellion. I didn't even realize that. Then you start to battle with I like the system. It's set up for me to get what I want. I don't have to submit to to that king over the the globe. I get what I want. I serve my desires. Everything's fine. I don't want to get back right with the king over the globe. And even when I do religion, even when I do good deeds, everything I do... It's all falling under the reign and rule of a rebellious leader. Now, do I really think that I can call up the king of the world and say, I know we're in rebellion, but I've done some good things. I did some really good things religion over here. I did some obedience to 
in the system that we have here. And I know Jesus is your rescuer that you sent, and he's pretty good. I'm in, I'm in with Jesus, and look at me. Really? Our only hope is the coup attempt that's going on. Our only hope is that a rescuer comes in on a helicopter and comes down and says, I'm going to give you an out. And it's for me to say, I'm all in. And to jump up in that helicopter and say, take me out of here. But here's the problem. Here's where it gets confusing. His rescue mission that God has provided for us to to rescue us out of this present evil kingdom that we're living in, it leaves us here for a little while until he finally says, all right, it's time to bring this thing down. And our challenge is like the challenge of the Galatians to understand that when I trust in the rescuer, I'm rescued even though there's still this wicked stuff going on around me. And I can never lose sight of the fact that I am rescued only by the rescuer, Jesus Christ. And so he says, your only hope is to trust in God's provided rescuer. To trust only in the blood of Jesus Christ. Believe because everything hinges upon you believing. So believe because it's God's gospel. Believe because everything hinges on it. Believe because it brings glory to God. Look at the end of verse 4 and end of verse 5. Paul says, Christ died according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. In other words, the gospel message is God's gospel. It's God's plan. It's God's will. And it's for God's glory. It's all according to His will, His purposes, His plans. And we don't have the right to change it. It's insane to try to tell the the king of the world, the king of the universe, how we think it should go. When he has told us, this is how it works. And you either get on board or you're not with me. As we saw in Colossians 1, verses 16 through 18. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, for He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Who has first place in your life when it's you plus what you can do? To be right with God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Is only. The only gospel that brings glory to God. If you get the gospel wrong. You end up in one of two places. 
If you think it's Jesus plus your obedience that makes you continue to be in right standing with God, then you either end up prideful thinking that you've done something well or you end up admitting that you have made a mess of it and you are in despair. And neither one of those brings glory to God. Someone whom I love dearly and have been praying for for years has grown up in Shreveport, has been in and out of churches and heard this message, this gospel message. None of this is new words, is it? How many of you would say, I never heard these words before? You've heard the words just like he heard the words. But we tend to think, Jesus, I know I can't be good enough to earn my way into heaven, so I need Jesus to forgive me of my failures and my sin in the past and the sin I've done wrong. And so, Jesus, forgive me. Now, that's what we need to tell unbelievers. And so I put that aside, and now I live the Christian life, Jesus plus good works. If I want to be okay with God today, I've got to trust Jesus and be a good person. I've got to trust Jesus and read my Bible enough. I've got to trust Jesus and obey these rules. I've got to trust Jesus and go to church. I've got to go trust Jesus and I've got to give money. I've got to trust Jesus and I've got to not do these things. And when I don't get that right, I'm either in despair or I get it right and I'm prideful. And so my Christian life is this. Because I thought Jesus got me in and then I kept myself right with God. And that is what Paul would stand up and say, Anathema! That is not the gospel. That is not good news. He says, you get in with Christ and every hour you need Christ. Every minute of every day, your only hope is is that Jesus Christ is standing before God the Father, pleading His own blood on your behalf, saying, He's covered. He's got my righteousness. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for Him and for her, because she's in Christ, she's in me. And then I say, oh God, I don't want to do what I just did ever again. That is so foolish. You've given me everything in Christ. How stupid is that? Oh, I love you. Your unconditional love is transforming me. I don't ever want to do that again. Thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ covers me. Thank you that you don't hold that against me. Oh, how could you love me like that? I don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. I want to live for your glory. I want to tell others about this good message. And that person I loved and has been praying for came to that last sermon in marriage series and where I said the gospel solves every problem in our life and our marriage if we just understand it right. And he came up to me afterwards and said, I'm kind of mad. He said, how come no one's told me this for 34 years? And he said, I feel like I belong here now. Why would I want to be here thinking I'm condemned? 
Well, I don't want to hear you talk about sin if I think I've got to do it better because I know I'm not going to do it better. At least he's been honest. He says, I'm covered. I'm fully accepted in Christ. Every day, he accepts me. And he's calling me and he's saying, hey man, I prayed. And I was thankful. I've never been thankful to God before. He said, I prayed, I'm thankful. This is changing my life. And I said, I know. He said, why hasn't anyone told me this before? And I said, we probably have some. I said, but it's probably a combination of you not listening, you not hearing, and us not getting it right sometimes too. I'm praying that he gets it and he continues and it really changes his life. This is the revolutionary gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what's revolutionized this world. It's what will revolutionize your life if you don't mess the message up and add something to it. We'll talk about it in the days ahead. Well, then where is obedience in this picture? Where is repentance? What is What does it look like when I fall? How do I think through these things? But just don't miss the gospel. Everything you did in the past is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't do anything to make God love you more than he does in Christ. And you can't do anything to make God love you less than he already does in Christ. You are not, if you were here today and you were in Christ and you did something last night that is just ripping your conscience apart right now, my message to you is this. If you're in Christ, even as you were doing that, he calls you a saint and he loves you unconditionally. And that's the motivation to wage war with sin. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we praise your holy name for this unbelievable gospel. We confess that we get it wrong in our own hearts so often and we get it wrong from the pulpit so often. Forgive us, Lord. We, we, we don't want to blaspheme your name. We're so thankful that you don't change. Your love for us doesn't change. So thankful that you don't hold it against us. Thank you for revealing to us through your word the truth that in Christ alone we are absolutely righteous with you forever. And we can't change that. Lord, if there are people here today who have not trusted you as Savior... May they hear this glorious good news and understand and believe that it is a gift of God's unmerited favor, His grace. That they would throw themselves in His hands. And for those of us who have viewed that message as something for unbelievers, 
May we understand how that message is the water we swim in as Christians. May we understand that that message, that unconditional love of God is ours in Christ every hour of every day. May may that be the lens through which we view all of life's circumstances and events that come our way. When we're tired of serving, may the joyful good news draw us to sacrifice. When we're tired of laboring for the approval of yours or the acceptance of man, may we be so overwhelmed by your approval and your acceptance that we're set free. May we believe it because it's your word. It's our salvation and it's your glory we ask all this in our Savior's precious name Jesus Lord our Christ